Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer and director Sophie Holland. Sophie has worked with clients such as Vogue, Elle, the WWE, ESPN the Magazine, and Harper's Bazaar, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Sophie about how she began her career working as an art director before pursuing her own career in photography. And I also speak to Sophie about her experience directing a full-length documentary titled Illustrated Man, which documents the history of tattoo culture and how it has collided with fashion in the current day society. Sophie is an extremely talented photographer and director whose work I really respect, so I hope you enjoy this interview and thanks so much for listening. Well, uh, Sophie Holland, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, definitely uh, got turned on to your work recently and uh, really loved all the stuff you've done with like ESPN, the body issue, and all the cool stuff you do with fashion. So I was excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess just to kind of start off, um, I was just kind of curious uh, where you grew up and like how you kind of got into photography initially. Yeah, I grew up in England, um, hour south of London and I studied painting, um, got into kind of the fashion industry. I did some fashion design and then painting and then uh, came to New York 15 years ago and I worked as an agent for photographers and illustrators and then I was building my book as an art director and switched over working as an art director and advertising ad agencies, worked with a bunch of really big photographers and then met um, big photographers such as Norman Jean Roy. And then I ended up working as his in-house creative director for Vogue and Vanity Fair, a bunch of other clients. And then um, really learned about darkroom techniques and film photography and just fell in love with it really. And oh. I started to direct my own films and shoot my own stuff and then went out on my own and I've been shooting by myself for the last five years. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So I guess like back when you were living in England, were you, you were doing painting, um, how old were you when you kind of picked up your first camera and started shooting? Was it back then or not until you got here? No, not until I got here. Oh, wow. That's I was an art director before then. That's cool. And then like um, what kind of stuff were you photographing when you first picked it up? Um... I was studying, I mean, I was was shooting a lot of fashion, but a lot of portraits as well. Um, And at the same time, I was directing films and little um, short film pieces. And uh, so for me, you know, I I like to walk the line in between fashion and portraiture. Um, So I've been doing both since I first started picking up a camera, really. That's cool. Was it always kind of fashion photography, always an interest for you when you first got into it? Was that kind of always kind of the photography and photographers you were kind of looking up to and things like that? No, I I always am interested in being halfway between fashion and portraiture. Okay. So um, I do both. And, you know, when I was an art director, I would work on a lot of fashion but then worked on some celebrity portraiture as well. So I really feel like I've got a foot in, in both worlds. That's pretty interesting. Do you feel like working as an art director, because um, obviously I imagine you probably worked with other photographers on yeah. different campaigns. Um, do you feel like that kind of helped kind of seeing how other photographers work and kind of working with them on different projects? Like, yeah, that's, definitely. That's cool. Were there like any photographers when you're an art director that you work with that you kind of enjoyed working with, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I've worked, I've been really lucky to be able to work with some of the best photographers. Um, when I was working on ad campaigns and editorials, and obviously Norman Jean Roy was a huge influence for me mm. um, to work with him and concept a lot of his photo campaigns and editorials was really, um, it was an honor. 
and you know he's one of the greats and he shoots a lot of film photography which very few photographers still do um you know but i've worked with a lot of great photographers you know dujan um steven all of those guys so um it's it's been a really great opportunity to see how each different photographer and director has worked um over the span of my career and also even when i was a representative i was a an agent you know i, I got the chance to be able to work with amazing photographers such as Danny Clinch and Jeff Kern and oh, wow. and Cream Black and those guys. So I think that um, it's really important to to study what other people are doing and take influence, but also find your own path. Yeah, that's a really interesting career path you have, going from art director to agent. You almost kind of get the whole spectrum of like what goes into a campaign almost. So what do you feel you kind of took away from working as an agent? Because as you know, like being a freelance photographer and working commercially, a big part of it is like the business. Um, how was that kind of experience working in that kind of role? I think that people underestimate the business side of photography more than anything else. And, you know, when people ask me for advice, they're always asking, what kind of camera are you using? What lenses are you using? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, no one cares. It's about how it's your eye. It's not the lens or the camera. Mm. Um, you know, you could use a, a you know a $500 camera or you could use a $3,000 camera and yes the the megapixels are going to be different but at the end of the day a camera is a camera and it's all to do with your eye and if you don't understand how to run your business as a photographer you're going to fail mm. and that comes to invoicing it comes to negotiating your rates it comes to estimating it comes to um, you know, putting together a portfolio and being able to converse in a conference call with 10 people on the line listening to how you're going to treat your, your campaign. Mm. Um, and if you don't pay attention to that stuff, then it doesn't matter how talented you are. You, you really need to learn how to, um, to run your business and market yourself. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something you've always been kind of natural at, like this running a business and marketing yourself? Or do you think you've just kind of gotten better at it uh, the longer you've been doing this, you think? Yeah, I think I've been in the industry a really long time. Um, you know, I've been in in New York in, in advertising for 15 years and then London before that. So I think that um, you learn. You know, I definitely didn't know it coming into it. I, I made a lot of mistakes and I, I learned a lot of things. But I think when you're an agent, you understand usage and you understand estimates and reading contracts and and how to promote yourself mm. and how to create a brand for yourself as a photographer and when you're an art director you're coming from a different angle of doing treatments and swipe and research and visual layouts and understanding graphics and then when you're a photographer or a director you're really in the driving seat and you're able to to drive that vision forward um but even things you know small things like archiving you know i put so much emphasis on that because if you don't figure out a way to archive your work in the beginning five ten years down the line you're not going to be able to find that photograph that was so important in the beginning of your career and people don't pay attention to that they just throw all the photos in one one folder and so whenever I get a, give advice to younger photographers, um, or even art directors for that matter, archive your work, mm. file it, you know, create a system for yourself. Same thing with invoices. Yeah. Because you're going to need 
when you're a famous photographer, like 15, 20 years down the line, hopefully, you know, you're going to do a retrospective of your work and you're not going to be able to find that photo, I promise you. Yeah, those, those photos are like, that's money sitting there. Like, it's like, it's almost like, it's almost like your retirement or something. It's like, you never know, because like people want to use them for a different campaign or whatever. So it yeah. is this being organized and I sure. de- dad definitely agree. And when you're like working as an art director and like an agent, was it kind of always in the back of your mind you wanted to be a photographer sometime? No, no, it is not at all. Um, you know, I, I've been a creative my whole life, so for me, being an art director was really the, the focus, and then working as a creative director was really the pinnacle of my career, and I felt like I'd really found found my pace. Um, but the more I got to be around photography as a as an art form, the more I really fell in love with it yeah. and once I started picking up a camera which I hadn't done prior to that it was game over for me and and I needed to switch over and also directing my first film gave me the bug to be able to direct and so I do the two things in tandem wow so you kind of jumped into it both at the same time it's like yep. doing still completely and- exactly at the same time wow that's amazing and when you're kind of first starting shooting uh I know you're shooting like portraits and different things um, how did you kind of start uh, building your portfolio and kind of marketing it? Were you just kind of just knocking on doors? Like, how are you kind of first getting your work out there? And like, I guess what were kind of some of the first assignments you started to get once you kind of broke off? It's tricky with photography because if you're trying to do fashion, you need good models and you need good teams. And so I was lucky that I had established some great relationships with good hair and makeup people that did me a favor in the beginning of my career. Yeah. But, you know, model agencies are not going to give you good models if you're a no-name a no name. And mm. at the end of the day, even though I had built a really good career as a creative, when I, I had to start again, you know, as a photographer, no one cared. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of tests. I, did, I worked with a lot of models who needed shots for their portfolios as well. And I took a lot of shitty photos in the beginning. You know, I, I, I didn't really know what I was doing and I made a lot of huge mistakes, but you learn. Um, and eventually you get a big break or you get someone that wants to throw you a bone and then that leads to something and then you've got one really good photo for your portfolio and then eventually you got two and then you got three. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't an instant overnight situation. Mm. Um, it took me a good year to even get to a place where I was like, okay, there's a handful of photos that I'm pretty proud of here. Um, and I was very lucky that I got offered an opportunity to shoot an actress um, for a British magazine and I poured all of my own money into it as well and I tried to create a bigger a production than it was and, and it turned out really great and um, I got some press from it and you know that led to something else and that led to something else and a couple of people took some chances on me and, and it grew. It just keeps building. It's it keeps building but you got to keep shooting. I shot a lot of film in the beginning because I had a film camera mm. um, and I made a lot of mistakes, you know, and so you learn from those mistakes very fast because when you get when you pay to get that film developed, that's your money. Oh yeah. And then when you have it coming back and it's underexposed or it's overexposed or you, you screwed up everything, you don't make that same mistake again, no. you know, because that's money for you. Yeah. When you're shooting digital, it doesn't matter. Everything's throwaway. It's like, oh, I can see it instantly. I can change the settings. It's fine. Mm. When you're shooting film, you have no idea how that shot's going to turn out. And then you just wasted all of that film and all of your time. So you don't make that same mistake again. Yeah. Do you feel like starting off in film, like, help you be a stronger photographer? Because I, I, I started in film myself, and I think, like, looking back on it, 
um, like you you have to take more time because it's not like digital. You can kind of this like almost wing it. Like like you said, you can just shoot as much as you want. Do you feel like kind of starting off in film was like a good foundation? You feel like that, or I think so, and that was something I learned from Norman as well. You know, um, really having an understanding of film photography um, and learning through that and learning how light is affected and not relying on auto exposure or autofocus or, um, you know, being able to just look in the back of this camera and just go, oh, that's too bright. And, you know, really having an understanding of those numbers in your head, knowing how to dial a pack, knowing how to work off of the sun. um, Those are, are things that you really, you can't underestimate. Yeah, just like having a plan and like being a little more thoughtful about what you're doing. Because that's the thing I really enjoy about your work is like your lighting's like really meticulous. And the thing I was going to ask you is like I always kind of ask every photographer, um, did it kind of take you a while to find your like visual aesthetic or the, your style, the way you shoot? Because um, like looking at your work, it seems like uh, they almost have like a cinematic look to them. Like you use, yeah. there's some really cool portraits of like there's like a singer on a stage and you'll mm-hmm. use like the stage lights. Mm-hmm. Um, have you always kind of shot in that way or did it take you a while to kind of find your voice yeah I think that it's all about who inspires you you know we all there's no one that's actually original anymore you know um even the greats took inspiration from someone else and they probably took it from paintings that's why it's called Rembrandt lighting you know what I mean like we we all take inspiration from somewhere and I think that when I started shooting I had a very strong opinion as to what type of photography I liked and who I liked so um, I think that even though I couldn't emulate it as a photographer, I brought my own spin to it. So, yeah, I love it, cinematic lighting for sure. Mm-hmm. And obviously being a director and working in film, the two things marry and they cross over. So a lot of the time I'll light sh- photo shoots with constant lighting for film. And, um, and I think that it's really important to, to have a strong voice and not just try and copy an Avedon shot or copy you know, a Stephen Klein shot, but really take inspiration from those photographs and kind of how do you make it your own? So I'd like to think that I have a strong um, style or that it's a recognizable style of photography, mm-hmm. but I for sure take inspiration from people like Annie and, um, you know, I really want everything to look epic and epic as far as <clears throat> high production or cinematic Um so, you know, yeah. that's, that's the goal for me. Yeah, definitely. And then also one project that I really enjoyed on your site, it was Brotherhood, oh, yeah. which is a little bit different. It, it looked like you were actually shooting uh, medium format films still, yeah, it was. With, um, which was black and white, not like tons of like yep. strobes or whatnot. No uh, strobes. Yeah, no strobes. Uh, so you kind of enjoy kind of doing so, th- different things sometimes. So Brotherhood is a perfect example of what I was talking about before. So Brotherhood was one of the first shoots that I ever did. And I didn't have the money for my own lighting. So mm. I didn't even own my own strobe lighting at the time. Um, I was borrowing cameras because I didn't even own my own digital camera. And I had a Pentax 6.7. Um, I had one with the Polaroid boy back and one with the film back. And that's what I owned. Yep. So I knew that with that limitation, I wanted to shoot these bikers. I wanted to shoot these guys out in Brooklyn. And I knew that I wasn't technically savvy enough to be able to light it with strobes at the time, nor did I have the equipment to be able to do so or the assistance or the money for assistance. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what do I do? Open shade. So I went and I tripoded it up and I used my Pentax 6.7 medium format and I shot all of it on film and I picked an open shade spot 
and I used a bounce and, and it was me. It was just me and a camera. And those guys, you know, have since become dear friends of mine. And that, sh- that shoe really um, snowballed into a bigger project and then Inked found it and did an even bigger project based on that, um, that series. So it's a perfect example of, you know, when people are like, I don't have expensive lighting or expensive cameras. It's like, you don't need it, man. Like, go out, find available light, you know, study the sun, the direction, um, you know, play with white balance and really play with, you know, how your eye views portraits. Mm. And, and it worked out, you know. And again, even with that shoot, there was a lot of mistakes. But we found some really great shots out of it, and it's some of my favorite photographs of my entire career. Yeah, no, I loved it because it was just like, it was just so real. Like I love that type of photography. It's like you get a like a window into a world where like most people. I'm not a biker, and I don't know anything about biking. But it kinda, <laughs> that's what you're, like like you said. Like you don't need all this gear. It's really it's like if you have an interesting idea or like find an interesting story. It's just yeah. kind of like telling that. Well, those guys I've known for a long time, and for me, I was sick of hearing. You know, Sons of Anarchy had just come out, and I was sick of hearing everyone associate you know bikers or bike clubs with violence and you know, um, bad guys or whatever, drug pushing. And really the, the guys that I knew in that world were family guys and they were married or they were kids. They were blue collar, mm-hmm. hardworking dudes. And there really was a, a brotherhood at the core of it. And they really felt like it stood for something. Um, and I really wanted to show the, the softer side of them, mm-hmm. the real side of them. So the guy... Niall, who's playing with his kid and swinging his kid around, or uh, the guy Victor, who's kissing his wife on the cheek. Like, those were real moments that I just captured. That was not set up or fake. It was really to show um, who they are as people. And, and that was important for me. Were they, like, pretty receptive to you photographing from the get-go? And, like, yeah. how long did you kind of work on that project for? Uh, I worked on it in bits, you know. We shot them in Brooklyn to start, and then we went up, to, we took a bike ride up to... Um, Bear Mountain um, and we shot more guys up there and then I did a whole repertoire series of them and then later Inked picked it up and we did like a fashion shoot with them as well and a big interview about the Brotherhood Project and then we had a little gallery exhibit it was cool so you know I've I've known those guys for many many years um, and I was able to get some of their trust you know and then along the way they really understood what I was trying to do and that I was there to support them and to show them in a great light. Mm. So I think when you, whenever you do reportage projects like that or you want to infiltrate subcultures or you want to show um, a group of people that maybe people don't know about, mm. I think it's important for that for them to feel like they trust you. Yeah, like when you're approaching people to like work on a project like that, are you from the get-go are you trying to explain like what your goal is with the project are you always that's from the get-go you're like this is what i want to do and how i want to present it and things like that always trust is the most important thing in photography um unless you're going to be a nature photographer or a sports photographer where you're on a big ass lens and you're you're way back Mm -hmm. if you really want to do portrait photography you need to connect with your subject and they need to trust you from the from the jump Mm -hmm. otherwise they're going to keep their wall up and you're going to get very different photos so for me whenever i'm doing those kind of projects i always want to explain what my angle is i want to explain where i'm coming from i want to explain as much as i can sometimes even with visuals the way that I want to shoot it so that everyone knows everyone feels comfortable 
um, nowadays people can look into the back of the lens or in the monitor and pre-approve and all that kind of stuff but you know unfortunately gone are the days where they just trust you and they're just they see the photo when it comes out so oh, yeah. but even sometimes they they really do trust you um and yeah i think trust is key with with any photo shoot even fashion mm-hmm. you know there's so so much at stake these days there's so many people that have opinions and approval um and the pressure's on you to deliver you yeah know? Yeah, definitely. Because like looking at like you work with a bunch of different celebrities, even athletes for like ESPN. Yeah. Uh, like on the start of a shoot, um, do you kind of sit them down and kind of map out like what your goal is for that shoot and like see if they're like game for it or like how do you kind of approach each shoot? Well, I always know that they're game for it before I go into the shoot. But, okay. But more often than not, I'll sit sit them down and just have five minutes or so. It's really important for me to bond with the talent, mm-hmm. whether it's a film, a commercial a photo shoot even if I have five minutes with them like I want a moment with them just so that they can have we can have eye contact we can have a bit of a chit chat you know they can know that I'm here for them yeah um and you know with the celebrities often I'll do a mood board or I'll just have a quick chat with like how I want to do it and a lot of the celebrities want everyone to get off set as well um so they'll close the set so it's just me and them which is really fun I love that yeah Um, but that's their choice um they don't want a lot of eyes on them so it, it really runs the gamut as to the comfort level but it's really my whole goal in all of my photography is not to be the most technical perfect photographer it's to make sure that the people that i'm shooting feel the most beautiful and feel their most comfortable like that's all i want yeah no that's smart and like how you're talking about yeah the personal project you work on with the brotherhood do you feel like working on those personal projects um kind of help your career like open new opportunities is it something i mean you're i know you're busy directing and you do advertising and everything in the fashion no you should always do personal projects you know i did illustrated man which took me nearly two years and we did a photo series of 44 men which I self-financed and then I made a documentary out of it, which I self-financed. And then we did a gallery exhibit in Chelsea, which I self-financed. I mean, I hemorrhaged money on that project, but in the end of it, it was, it was so important to me. And I did it alongside one of the time, the busiest times in my career. So it's always important to do personal projects. And I always have a personal project that I'm working on at the time. And I think Personal projects always give you an opportunity as a photographer to show who you, what you're really interested in. So even if you're getting hired for, you know, whatever, Target or Kmart or whatever, whatever commercial clients you're being paid to work with who are all great, I think it's important for you to show your voice as to like what you're really, really interested in. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's like momentum. I view, like for me, like if I'm just continuing working and shooting on something, it just it feels like it just keeps building. Like if you're not busy, like it just gets stagnant. So I feel like if you just keep those that momentum going, it's like more opportunity opportunities kind of present themselves and you kinda of keep building on it, I suppose. Um that's how I just kind of view it. But uh I know you mentioned the Illustrated Man, which was the feature feature documentary. Um did it start with the stills or did yeah. you do so it started with the stills? It literally started because I was bored and I had some downtime and I was like, I need to shoot some portraits and I was in between a couple of different projects 
and I, I thought to myself, what am I interested in? I'm interested in tattoos. And I hadn't got a lot of men in my book. I was shooting a lot of women at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to start shooting tattooed mod male models and see who's available. Yeah. So I put out an open casting call and I just got like instantly five or six dudes. They came over to my studio and I shot a portrait of them. Very simple, kind of, I hate using this phrase, but Avedon style, just against white, yeah. whatever, black and white. Yeah. And... From there, it kind of, they started to tell me their stories as I was shooting them. And I found their stories so fascinating. And I started to draw parallels in between these guys and, you know, why these men got tattooed and also their hardship of like how they can overcome getting cast on certain jobs because of them having tattoos and how it changes. Blah, blah, blah. And then from there, it kind of snowballed and we went. And I shot so many male models, I mean, like 30 of them. And then from there, it bled into influencers and soccer players and musicians and, you know, actors. And it really started to get bigger and bigger. And some of the stories were so moving um, that I was like, I cannot finish this project without documenting it yeah. and so I turned it into a documentary and I got them all to come and interview I was interviewed myself or I interviewed myself I should say and at the time the New York Historical Society was doing um, an exhibit called New York uh, Tattoo and it was about the history of tattoos and a lot of people don't realize that tattoos were illegal for 30 years in New York City mm. up until 1996 um, really, 96? Yeah. Wow. See, no one knows that. It, it, damn. Um, and so I really wanted to tell the story of tattoos and the history of the tattooed man um, specifically. So I did. So I made this documentary and Zombie Boy was in it and um, Dave Navarro was in it. And, you know, it, it did really well. And then after the documentary was finished, I, at Gallery in Chelsea, we did a whole exhibit with all of the photos and the documentary looping and we got a lot of great press from it um and i think i'm gonna do a published book for it oh wow that's exciting and with the uh like documentary stuff you're doing i know you do like commercials with all the directing stuff you do yeah. do you feel like you have a different approach to that work versus your still work yes how, how does two completely different jobs oh, okay. that's why like i always smile when a lot of photographers are like you know, videographers or guys with cameras are a very different role. Yeah. Like, and it's awesome. You know, cinematography is such a craft and I definitely am not a cinematographer. Um, my role as a director in film is a completely different headspace than being a photographer. As a director, my sole purpose really, aside from the, you know, setting the scene and doing all of the boards and, and whatever, setting up the, the crop and, um, the framing, I should say, is really about connecting with the talent and making sure that the delivery, um, the the acting quality is perfect and really orchestrating the whole thing. And you're not behind a camera. You're really there. You're connecting. Um, and you're so involved with the process of the casting and from everything. And as a photographer, you're really, you're behind a camera. And so you're documenting something in a different way and it's a lot more technical. So I'm paying a lot more attention to, you know, the lighting, the, the technical aspect of the camera. 
um, the exposure. And, and really I'm kind of sitting, I'm seeing everything through a lens. Mm. So you're a little bit detached from it. Even though you're bringing the camera away from your face constantly and trying to talk to the talent, or if it's on a tripod, your face is away, which I do like to do if, if I feel like they're nervous. Yeah. As a director, it's I'm in a completely different headspace. You're viewing everything. I'm viewing, and, and not that photographers don't view everything as well. It just, for me personally, and maybe other people feel differently. For me personally, I feel like it's two completely different worlds. And I wouldn't be able to do one without the other. I love them both. Yeah. Do you, did it take you a while? Like, do you remember the kind of the first thing you got hired to direct? And then did it kind of, were you confident from the get-go? Or do you feel like it took you a while to kind of get comfortable in that role? Well, when I first directed, I directed, the first thing I ever directed was a film. So I kind of did it backwards. Most people do like little, little bits and bobs and then do commercials and do a film. I my, the first thing I ever directed was a short film. Yeah. And so um, luckily as an art director and a creative director, I had worked on commercials. Mm. And I, so I knew, the, I knew the whole deal. Um, but it was a lot, you know. I, I kind of self-financed this film and we produced it together. And I went to London for a month and we directed it, or I directed it. Um, and we produced it. And it was 18 locations and 36 scenes and no permits and a whole cast and a lot of script. And it was my baby for a year. And so that was the thing that I did first. And then from there, promos and commercials were like, okay, that's cool. This is cake, man. <laughs> when you do that film, like I bled for that film. So um, Your career is so interesting. Like you, you go backward. It was like you start from career director, agent. Yep. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's actually it's weird. It, that just goes to show you that there's like no rules to the photography. There's absolutely no rules. It's just like if you nope. want to do it, just go do it. Like yeah. <laughs> I know photographers that you know started shooting, you know, in their late 30s and their 40s, you know, and people did all kinds of things, you know, before then. Um, so I, you know, I don't think there's a rule. I don't think that you have to study a certain way in college and then come out and then all of a sudden, you know assist for certain people and then or tech or whatever like you can do whatever you want to do but yeah. it was a hard road for me because I was in my mid-30s and I had to start from scratch mm. and so I had to learn a craft that I had really no technical knowledge of um, and I had to learn it fast really fast you feel like kind of lit the fire it's like I need to like pick up for yeah like why well, I'm competing against you know <laughs> kids that are studying photography for four years in school and I so I'm like learning from books and yeah you know i'm i'm trying to like catch up yeah. so i'm not saying my way is the right way at all um yeah. but it's been an interesting ride for sure yeah definitely and with the other question i was going to ask with your still photography and your directing art do you feel like you're trying to like match the look like the style or aesthetic or it kind of just I, varies yeah i think there's definitely a crossover um i would be remiss to say no i think that if you look at my photography and you look at the my reel, there's definitely a parallel. Mm. You know, I like a certain type of lighting. I like a certain direction of lighting. I like I don't like hard lighting. Um, so and the colors, you know, the color grading is definitely there's you could draw a line through it for sure. And I think it should be that way. You know, I don't want two different worlds that represent me. Um, so yeah, I would say that I pull. I pull inspiration of, cin of cinematic lighting for my stills and I reference a lot of my own stills photography when I'm talking to 
folks doing color grading yeah. or you know lighting for my film work and then with the film work it's like you're basically because you're obviously you're working with like a dp so is it like you're yeah. trying to find someone that kind of matches your vision and style kind yeah of? i've been very very lucky to work with amazing um cinematographers in my career and the majority of them are into the style that i like mm-hmm. or they like my photography or they like you know my aesthetic Mm -hmm. so we're definitely on the same page um and usually i work with cinematographers that i see a parallel in in their in their reel but you know they're geniuses you know cinematographers are wonderful um technically and and i definitely don't consider myself a cinematographer not even close yeah because with directing it's like a real team like there's so many elements that go into it they're wonderful i mean they make or break it honestly like they're so important to me Mm. um but yeah that's cool and one project I was excited to talk to, talk to you about I, I think you just recently did you shot for the WWE <laughs> it, they're really cool anybody I think you got some up on, your, you. on your website now and I, th- uh-huh. I saw some on your Instagram yeah. it was the WWE all female pay-per-view yep. um, I think did you shoot it last month uh, yeah, I shot a couple of weeks ago. Actually. Uh, how did that project come about? And like, had you had any knowledge of like wrestling prior to that? And like, how was that shoot? So WWE reached out to me. Um, I I can't even remember how she found my from how she found my work, but she reached out to me, um, the photo director Christine Riley, who's awesome, um, and she said that it's you know the first ever all female pay per view event. It's a big deal for them and that they really wanted to work with a female photographer. Um, She really liked my work. So she asked if I was available, and of course I said yes. Um, A friend of mine, Kareem Black, has shot with them many, many times as well, so I knew of the WWE as far as in a photo world, but we do very different styles of photography. Um, And I knew of WWE, and I had heard of a couple of the people, but I definitely was not like a genuine fan or I didn't watch the shows or anything like that. So when I went to, um, to go shoot them, I mean, it was 30 women who were amazing. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences because every single one of those wrestlers were incredible, um, incredible people, incredible athletes. The crew were incredible. Um, it was a great experience for me. And we just, you know, we really busted our butts shooting them um, and turning all the, you know, the retouching around really fast. But, you know, they wanted something that was very strong and powerful, but also a little feminine and a little um, poppy as well and yeah. vibrant. And I feel like that's kind of where we where we ended up. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because they're really interesting. You sh- it looks like you shot, I don't know if you shot it, it's like a bluish kind of greenish background and mm-hmm. it's some colored gels. Um, like how much art direction did WWE give you for that shoot or was it you kind of gave your idea and then it kind of went from there? Or how did that kind of... No, Christine Riley um, has always a very strong vision with stuff um, for WWE and they had a, a color palette that they wanted to adhere to and stay in the world of. Mm. Um, um, so we kind of played off of that, and I really liked the the old kind of glow stuff, you know, um, with Netflix, and there was a lot of pink and purple yeah. accents in that. Yeah. Um, so, and pink and purple was a really good accent color for the cyan and the you know the poppy cyan mm. background. Mm. So we tried a bunch of different colors, and that that one really worked out well. And I think pink is such a it's a happy color. It's a bold color. It kind of in a cliche way represents girls but also the way that we did it with magenta and with such badass chicks it was like 
turning it on its head a little bit. So I think, you know, there definitely was a strong art direction um, and I love to collaborate with people who have a very strong vision, but I definitely think I brought my own spin to it mm. as far as color treatment and the angles and the way that I shot them and capturing the right kind of energy. But it's it was an excellent collaborative effort for sure. Yeah, it was pretty cool because you said you shot 30, 30 wrestlers. Did you guys shoot all in one day or how did that? Two days. Wow, yeah, it's a lot of people. Yes, it is. I didn't realize they had that many female wrestlers. It's pretty. Oh, they had even more than that. Oh, we just more. managed to get 30 of them. It's. It, I'm not like, a, I, I watch it sometimes. It's it's the craziest. They, ha, they do, I think, over 300 uh, performances, like, I don't know what you call it, like uh, shows year uh -huh. yeah. it, it's intense oh no it's it's insane um yeah I, i've become friendly with a couple of them since and you know them talking about like how they're on the road and everything and it it's an insane um journey for them oh yeah I'm, 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 i admire them so much they're wonderful athletes oh yeah they are athletes because some people because they say it's scripted obviously but no like they're badass athletes oh god yeah <laughs> yeah they, any of them could kick my butt yeah and speaking of athletes uh you also have shot for the espn the body issue i think two times twice yeah twice um how's that experience because it seems like prior to that had you shot nudes or like what was your kind of experience because it's become such like an iconic issue every year it's a sure. big big deal how was your experience working on that i had shot a lot of nudes prior to that mostly with women i hadn't sh i don't think i'd shot any nude men prior to that but the first time i shot jermaine jones jr who was a soccer player um he was amazing and then this year i shot the cover with saquon barkley yeah. who's awesome football player yes and he was undrafted so he was the first undrafted person to be in the body issue oh um and he got drafted by new york giants i think a couple of weeks after we shot so he was awesome um we shot it in la and um he was a little nervous but i think it's really important again to gain people's trust so it was important for me to connect with him in the makeup room or in the green room or whatever and just you know make sure that he knows that you know i'm there for him and that i'm there to get the good shot and you know we're going to kick a lot of people off set and that it's going to be all about his comfort and yeah. that we're going to take it at a good pace mm. and um and he was cool you know he was a little nervous in the beginning but i think after a while you just forget that you're naked and you just want to get the shot you know yeah, and, yeah. and no one's really yeah paying attention to that stuff so yeah once you realize like people are like they're there to help. we're really there to get the shot and, yeah and i said to him like trust me no one wants no one wants the right shot more than me you know like i i'm i want you to be covered you yeah. know in that area so because <laughs> otherwise it's not the shot and then we just have to keep shooting it promise um no and espn are wonderful to work with um i love their photo department they're just such geniuses and they're they are their integrity with photography is unparalleled um yeah the, that's why they do such great body issues. That's why they do such great visuals. Yeah. Um, I admire them as a team so much. Do they give you a lot of... I always wondered, like, do they give you a lot of direction on those shoots or do you kind of come with your ideas? Because you did a couple of sets. He's, like, doing leg press. He's uh -huh, uh, jumping. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, how does that kind of come together, I guess? So it's a collaborative thing. When, we, when, when I'm hired with ESPN, especially for the body issue, we come with a lot of different ideas to the table and we go with you know, a bunch of different directions. And we say, we're going to capture this and we're going to capture this because they obviously want to run as many shots as possible for the gallery. Um, 
so we knew going into it that I wanted to get a leg press shot because his quads are so huge. I wanted to get something where he's jumping and, and fake tackling because it's what he's known for. And he's a really high jumper. It's like uh, unbelievably high jumper. Um, we did a couple of other setups that didn't make the edit. Um, and then we found that really cool wall. And I was like, we just got to shoot him up against that wall. And that was totally just found on the day and that was of. that was the cover it just happened to be there yeah and yeah. i was like that cool is that that wall is cool yeah. let's shoot him up against it and then i made him laugh i think it was something goofy <laughs> and his best friend was standing next to me and the three of us just i can't remember what it was but it was like something really silly and the three of us just cracked up laughing and just as he threw his head back and laughed i shot it yeah um and that ended up being the cover which was a really great moment because i always smile and remember that that what yeah. You know. Yeah, no, it was I really enjoyed it and the one shot I really liked was the soccer player and I was curious. It looked like it was shot right before a thunderstorm. It's like the clouds are coming in. Right. Was that planned or did this kind of come that Just ha- yeah, it just kind of happened that way. Yeah, yeah. it worked out great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was um at the Patriots stadium and that was wide open. So he was very brave to do that. He was doing crazy kicks <laughs> in the air and he was doing windmills, kicking the ball. I mean, he he Jermaine Jones Jr. is a badass guy. Um and he had like some bad knees at the time even, but he was ready to do whatever. And even with Saquon, that shot where he's hanging off of the wall, it was a total accident. Like that was just him messing around at the end of the shoot. We had got all of our shots and he was like, I just want to try. He was like leaning and stretching his arms. And then he was like, it would be cool if I just jump up and hang off of this wall. And he did. And I was like, that's the shot, man. Yeah, just go with the flow and let things happen. You know, Happy accidents yeah, is what I call it. Definitely. And I guess just to kind of um, wrap up, like you've been doing this for a while and you've done everything from directing to all the advertising stuff, editorial, ESPN, the body issue, you name it. Um, what kind of keeps you going? And like, do you kind of have any goals um, for your photography and directing moving forward? Yeah, for me, it's all about storytelling. Um, I want to tell people's stories and I want to show them in their most beautiful light. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on something right now um, that's very dear to my heart um, to do with the rape crisis in India that I really want to work on a film project out there. Um, And I also want to, I have a couple of other personal projects that are in the pipeline. I have a book project that's coming up um, that's going to be really exciting. And um, aside from that, you know, I'm very lucky with the clients that I get repeat business from and and I'm planning a really cool, fun fashion editorial right now with one of my stylist friends. So, you know, things are exciting. Um, The end of the year is coming up. So let's see what what else I can squeeze in before the end of the year. But 2019 is going to be fun filled for I, sure i like you. you got me excited over here let's get out here and get shit done <laughs> <laughs> but uh for people listening uh sophie where's the best place for them to check out your work um i have a very long website it's sophieholandphotography.com um and you can also check me out on instagram i don't have twitter but yeah instagram on my website i'll link it and thanks so much sophie thank you for having me no, i appreciate def- it so there you have it That was the Sophie Holland interview. I want to thank Sophie so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing about all her experience working within photography and directing and even her experience working as an art director before she became a photographer. 
Um, I definitely urge you to go check out Sophie's website at sophiehollandphotography.com as well as her Instagram at sophieholland. Um, she always posting up really cool photos she's working on and different things, so definitely go check that out. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.